Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with my good buddy Rich Hill as August comes to a close and Labor Day creeps up. The regular season is almost here. Training camp is underway. They're knocking themselves around in full pads. There are quarterbacks throwing, there are running backs running. It is as normal as we're going to get in 2020. How's it going, Rich? It's going pretty well. It's going pretty. It's hard to believe that uh, without these preseason games, I didn't realize how kind of essential they were for sending the mentality for the season. With you know breaking down the roster, getting into the start of the year, it's just kind of sneaking up on us that oh wait, the actual football season might be here, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, but I personally, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm all right, and I could not agree more. It's funny. I, I Obviously, preseason is a kind of a, a fake faux ball kind of thing, but it really is – it's like a nice, easy kind of ease into the bath kind of way to approach the NFL season because you don't care about the results of the games. You don't know who half the guys on the roster are yet. You have some at least in-game action to, to gauge and analyze because, you know, I, I like football and I, I know my X's and O's, but I'm not – a scholar of it in the respect that if I see a guy pushing a, a pad, I can all oh, look at his hand positioning. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet in terms of my analysis. So I kind of need those games to really look at, at, at in-game action and see how players are doing. And it's nice to have like three or four games during the season where you can just kind of sit down and relax and have some beverages of choice and just kind of see how things play out. Um, and now here we are. We're basically what a week from Thursday, two weeks from today. If I, my math is correct, the, the season's supposed to start. Uh, yeah. And it, it doesn't quite feel like football is creeping up that quickly, but we adjust. We always do. Yeah, and, and so have the Patriots. I, I think it's interesting to note that Bill Belichick in one of his press conferences this past week noted that, uh, you know, the playbook's pretty much installed. There's just a lot of final touches. You know, they're doing end-of-game scenarios, so a lot more of the granular atypical sorts of plays but most of it's already set up and so the the playbook marches on bill belichick marches on and uh you know in two weeks they'll be ready even though it feels a little bit weird alec i I, for me without having those preseason games it's very hard to kind of quantify and measure the 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 competitions that are taking place on the roster because i don't know it's harder to see uh 
without actual game film, which players are separating from others, how the coaching staff is really utilizing them, you know, which players are they giving opportunities with the first team to see what they have, which veterans are waiting and playing in the fourth preseason game because, you know what, they're on the roster bubble. It's hard to see all of that, Alec, but we have had some access to practice, and I think it would be good for us to kind of run through the roster and kind of take a reset on who is doing what based off of, you know, about two weeks worth of practices. Two weeks is all we got, and two weeks is what we will take, Rich Hill. I like it. Uh, let's start with the offense, with the position that everyone's been talking about all season, or all offseason, I should say, a quarterback. Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, and Brian Hoyer are your guys. It's funny, if you've been following this camp at all, uh, Jared Stidham's probably been the most consistent quarterback, uh, which is expected, got a year in the system. Hoyer's been his usual kind of middling self. He's good. He's not the starter, and so it's not really very hard to, to analyze what he's done. The real up-and-down guy, I guess, understandably, given the lack of offseason practice and coaching and whatnot, is Cam Newton. Um, the last practice he was in, he had a sack and a pick. Uh, he's had some phenomenal throws. He's had some less-than-phenomenal throws. Stidham's been injured. As of right now, I personally don't think there's a clear-cut, this guy's definitely the starter for the quarterback just on the Patriots. Yeah, definitely not. It's still open. There's still opportunities to change things. And there's absolutely, in my mind, that option where, you know, whoever plays in the first game might not start the second game based off of how they perform. This is just going to be a rotating year. There's no one that's going to be locked into the spot unless someone starts running away with it once the actual football starts. And so right now, in my mind, Cam is the the top quarterback in the room based off of how the team is handing out practice reps. You know, he gets the most reps with the first team every single practice. So therefore, in my mind, that makes him the number one guy. I think Hoyer, you know what you got with him. He's consistent, but I believe it was Evan Lazar tweeted out that, you know, you know, for as consistent and as experienced Brian Hoyer is within the system, Cam Newton makes, you know, five passes every single practice that Brian Hoyer could only dream about. So <laughs> I think when you have this boom bust type of season, you got to go with the guy with the, the greater upside, and that's absolutely Cam Newton. And then when it comes to Jarrett Stidham, uh, you know, he has the most interceptions of all the quarterbacks in practice and the fewest number of pass attempts. But I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we always saw how Jimmy Garoppolo would throw, you know, a billion interceptions in practice. And Tom Brady would often talk about how this was the opportunity and this is the time to figure out what you are capable of doing. So if you throw interceptions during practice, that's fine. Just don't do it in game time. And so we don't know what Stidham really is capable of doing. Um, but yeah, I, I would say whoever starts in week one and I, my money would be on cam newton doesn't mean that they're going to be the locked in starter for the year yeah i mean it really is going to be an interesting september uh, in terms of just personnel groupings and the base offense base defense who comes in there and i'll be very curious to see if the patriots are going to be experimenting with not just the quarterback position but every position up and down the roster on both sides of the ball maybe they have their their guys in place but maybe they don't uh, but i really do think that the first Four weeks of September, knock on wood, we get four full weeks of September football. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be basically a, a mismatch of, of players, and it should be a lot of uh, who the hell is that guy, a lot of adjusting on the fly in terms of trying to cover this team, but, but that's okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, mean, I think we've got to keep watching, keep seeing how the guys play. There's still some more practices left, still some time for the one guy to really emerge as a starter. I agree with you. I think it is Newton's at this point, but, again, that could that could definitely change. Uh, what about running back position, Rich? Have you been noticing anything with the running backs? I know Lamar Miller is still out. Sonny Michelle returned to practice at a very limited basis. 
Damien Harris seems to be the number one back for now in terms of between the tackles guy. Rex Burgett's having a good camp. What do you hear from the running back position? Yeah, I mean, the way that the Patriots work is that they rarely give any running back more than 50% of the opportunities in any given year. So whoever is the quote-unquote starter is just going to be the top guy in the rotation, obviously, with James White. You know, it'll probably be like uh, whoever is the top running back gets 40% of the snaps and uh, James White will also get, you know, 30 to 40% of the snaps and then the rest will be split up between the rest of the players in the committee. And if I had to choose a top running back right now, it would be Damian Harris, who, you know, he was a third round running back last year, basically got a redshirt year, touched the wall, saw the field a dozen times last season. That's it. And he effectively got a redshirt year, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Think of all the other running backs that the Patriots have had in recent years that didn't really play their rookie seasons. You know, Shane Vereen, James White, those are players that sat out their first year, really learned the system, came in, and were honestly the most impactful running backs for the Patriots over the the 2010s. So uh, I, I would say Damian Harris is my top option. He offers the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a good runner. My thought is that he is a higher upside rec. Burkhead so it's nice to have both of them on the roster I think Burkhead's a little bit bigger but Harris is you know a little bit more explosive and it's nice to have two running backs that you can reliably count on to run and catch the ball because the Patriots just seem adamant to not give Sony Michelle those opportunities out of the backfield and so if I had to to rank the players right now I would say Harris would be the top option you have James White obviously as the top third down passing down back and then you have Rex Burkhead who can rotate with Harris uh you know they can roll with the hot hand that game they love Burkhead in the red zone but I would say Michelle is probably the last running back on the depth chart right now despite being the top running back the past few seasons and having the highest draft pedigree simply because he hasn't been playing and Harris has made the most of his opportunities. And I, for one last note, I think that the Patriots had a first-round draft grade on Damian Harris, the same draft that they selected Sony Michelle. It's just that Harris returned back to school. And so I, I would say that in the Patriots' eyes, Harris and Michelle have similar upside and similar capabilities in the NFL, and Harris just might be making more of it because you know the best ability is availability. You know, it's funny, Rich. Running back's usually a position where there's a ton of guys on the roster. Running back in DB around this time every year. But beyond the rookie, uh, J.J. Taylor, who is fun to watch, but he's a real long shot to make the roster. Little Dion. Yeah. Um, He's kind of one of those training camp standouts. He's fun. He's shifty. He's like 5'6", 180, really small for a running back. Um, don't see him making much of an impact on the actual roster. Maybe a practice squad stash if he can really shine. But I personally see all these guys making the roster. Uh, I think they're going to go very deep at running back this year, particularly with Brandon Bolden opting out for coronavirus. Uh, I think the running game is going to be more important than ever this season. Do you think any of these running backs are going to be made a surprise cut or maybe a Foxborough flu IR stash for the season? Yeah, uh, I, I would be surprised by that. My money initially had been on Rex Burkhead, but the Patriots really like him, and they want him around. I, I had previously thought if Harris emerges, then they don't need Burkhead anymore, but I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I, I think Burkhead has really earned his spot there. Uh, and, you know, the Patriots just have I just made a decision to keep him around. So, you know what, that's that's great for him. I think he has delivered whenever he's also been available. Um but I, I would be surprised if they cut any of them. I think Michelle, uh, you know, he's returned to practice. I, I think, I mean, clearly we haven't talked any bit about Lamar Miller. I would expect him to be uh, on the 
the physically unable to perform list to start the season uh, as he continues to acclimate to the roster and kind of give the Patriots some flexibility should a running back at one of these high impact positions suffer an injury and then they could have Miller waiting in the wings but I, I think with a running back room of Burkhead, Harris, Michelle and White that's a very strong grouping. It's as strong as it's been. And behind uh, what should be a stronger offensive line than last year, they should be much more productive. Which is as good a transition I have heard, Rich, to get out talk about the offensive line. Mm. Uh, good work, buddy. Well Thank done. You. Um, the big question mark obviously has been Marcus Cannon's role, who's going to be playing that right tackle position. Patriots seem pretty well set at starter for the most part along the left tackle, center, and guard positions. Um, Jermaine Illuminor seems to be the guy who is ensconced for now into that spot, been playing pretty well. I do know that Corey Cunningham has been taking some reps at tackle and doing well as well. So anything you've heard, Rich, around the right tackle battle, and is it more or less Illuminor's to lose at this point? Yeah, I would say it's similar to the the quarterback position, where I would say Illuminor is the top option right now, but given how he may perform in the opening week, they could just move it to the next player down the list. Uh, Corey Cunningham, who the Patriots acquired for a late-round pick last offseason, appears to be doing a better job learning the, the offense and having a little bit more comfortability out there on the field. And then you also have Justin Heron, who is another late-round rookie from this year who seems to be that top backup option at that tackle spot. And by top, I mean the, the last one on the roster, with Yoni Cahuste being the odd man out, who was their third-round pick a couple years ago. So uh, when it comes to the tackle spot, I would say Illuminor would be my starter right now, uh, very tentatively. I, I would say that uh, his flexibility makes him a guarantee to be a game-day active and he offers really good size and starting experience at the tackle spot. So that's why I have him on the inside lane. But Cunningham uh, will be ready and waiting should Illuminor not perform his tasks up to, to what he needs to. But I think the rest of the offensive line would make sense with, you know, Win, Joe Tooney, Andrews, and Shaq Mason as your other starting four to give some consistency moving forward. Is there any chance you think, Richard, at any point will have to have the absolute joy of hearing the incompetent CBS slash Fox announcers try to pronounce Froholt's name, or is that just a pipe dream for me? Uh, you know what? I, I think they that's the best part of the preseason. You know, that's know, the best part is. is trying to hear. I mean, I am guilty of it, too. I, oh, I remember last preseason trying to pronounce uh, Gunnar Olszewski's name, and I just completely butchered it. And, I, you know, that's what the preseason's for. Everyone needs some time to learn how to say their names and for everyone just to enjoy people being like, Hojolte Froholded. Yeah, and I mean, Froholt is definitely the top interior backup for the Patriots I would say. Uh, and so the announcers should get to know his name because based off of how offensive line injuries happen, unfortunately, he might get some playing time this year. He might. And I think of all the positions that are at, they're all at pretty high risk for catching coronavirus, but offensive defensive line, those guys are matching faces every single play. So there might be some more need for that depth. Uh, it's funny, Rich, you mentioned Gunnar Oshesky when you're talking about mispronouncing names and in my opinion, he's been kind of the storyline of training camp uh, on both sides of the ball. He's apparently just lighting it up right now, has some highlight reel grabs, really quick out of his breaks. He seems to be developing a good chemistry with Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham. Um, he, in my opinion right now, seems to be the number two receiver on the field, not in the game, in the game on the team, but number two receiver on the field behind Edelman in terms of production, Ooh. upside, playbook adaptability, and his overall contribution to the team. I didn't really see that coming. 
Yeah, me either. I mean, you saw Stefan Gilmore coming out of practice just glowing about Olszewski, saying, you know, he's, like, stronger, faster, quicker, more comfortable, all, all like, the best possible things you could say about a young wide receiver. And apparently Olszewski also made just an incredible one-handed grab, uh, really catching the eyes. And he, he had the inside lane last year due to his return ability. And, I mean, the Patriots are always looking for a second interior receiver to complement Edelman. You know, he could be the Amendola-type player, but someone else needs to emerge. And why can't it be Olszewski? And so, Alec, what's your thought on this wide receiver position? How would you break it down? Yeah, I mean, right now, I think Edelman's obviously your number one guy. Uh, I haven't, I still haven't heard that much, Rich, about how he and Cam Newton are getting along on the field in terms of their timing, their route uh, running, and, and all that stuff. That just kind of comes with reps and, and repetition and time. So I imagine as the season goes on, they'll, they'll get better at that. I haven't really heard that. They, there's just no way they can get to the kind of Edelman-Brady level yet, but that's all right. Um one thing that surprised me and one thing that I'm excited to hear about, uh, I've heard nothing, nothing, one way or another about Jacoby Myers. He seems to be an absolute ghost uh, in terms of reporting and, and roots and whatnot. Um, and I've heard that Nikhil Harry has had some really good breaks, really good roots. He seems to have really come into his own. He's kind of starting to make that second-year leap. Um, so I think that there's a lot of upside to this receiving core. I think a receiving core with Harry, who is who continues to make the second-year leap, Mohamed Sanu, Julian Edelman, if Oshevsky can get it done, and Jacoby Myers can continue to develop, I think that's a pretty pretty solid wide receiver core. Um, and that's not even mentioning Devin Ross, who is our kind of off-season darling for right now. So I, I like what the potential of the receiving core could be, but I can also acknowledge that a lot of the things I just said are, are still kind of iffy. There are a lot of <laughs> what-ifs there. Um, and it could very well be, when their season comes along, just kind of Edelman and Sanu. And which is not what you want for the receiving core. So this could really be a boomer bust core on the, on this team. Yeah, totally. And uh, you you look at how the Patriots have constructed this wide receiver room this off season, and to me, it kind of tells you a little bit about the types of talent that they want to have on here. So, I mean, you have your Edelman and Sanu. I, I would say they're both roster locks, as is Harry. And you have Edelman, who's your inside-outside guy. Same with Sanu. But I think Edelman's your number one receiver. Sanu is your number three. You have Harry, who is big on the outside. So he, he has the ability to perform out there. But look at the other players on the roster. Bird, new guy. Ross, you know, not new, but he's hasn't really performed. Jeff Thomas. You have three guys who are just complete burners as the Patriots are trying to replace Philip Dorsett's role in the Patriots offense. You know, some guy that you can put on the outside, give three deep balls every single game to. You know, it doesn't matter which one, but three of them. And... Uh, Ross definitely has the inside lane there. I would say that he's been performing the most, but it's very clear to me that the Patriots want someone like that on the roster. And then uh, looking on the interior side, you have uh, Olszewski, Hastings, and Zuber. Those are three pure slot guys. You know, you have Edelman who can play inside-outside, same with Sanu. It gives you some flexibility, but those are three pure interior slot guys. And I would say Olszewski definitely has the edge there. So if I were constructing my wide receiver room, I didn't mention Myers, but he has that same skill as Sanu playing inside and outside and if he had taken a greater step forward this offseason I might have given him a little bit bigger chance to make the roster but behind Edelman and Sanu who are definite roster locks you have Harry who's your best outside guy 
You have Ross as the best speedster and Olszewski as the best pure slot guy. And those are your your five five receivers that I say would make the team at this point in time. And there's still, you know, two weeks left for players to distinguish themselves. But when I'm constructing this roster and saying, okay, we're going to keep four running backs, we're probably going to keep three quarterbacks, some positions are going to be a little bit lighter than others. And that means that maybe Jacoby Myers is going to be the odd man out. Interesting. So you see the Patriots keeping five wide receivers, six including Matthew Slater, but of the 11 guys on the roster right now, you see only five making the team. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of them were long shots anyways. You know, Will Hastings, Isaiah Zuber. I mean, all of these undrafted guys were going to be long shots in the first place, and they just really had to emerge. I think Bird had a good chance to make the team, but I think based off of how practices have gone, Ross has made more of his opportunities, and so I wouldn't be shocked if Ross got the edge over Bird, despite Bird having experience with Cam Newton. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think based off of how it plays out, if I'm the Patriots, if I might be leaning more heavily on the run game this year. You know, we saw how much the offense struggled once they lost James Devlin and Jakob Johnson last year. And then you suffered all of those injuries on the offensive line with David Andrews missing time. And I would say you need to give a little bit more opportunities to the the bulky guys on that offense. And that includes those tight ends. And uh, uh, there's, I mean, the other spot where they could theoretically be lighter is that tight end, but I wouldn't advocate for it. Um, And so that's why I would say, of the you know running back wide receiver tight end spot, I would say wide receiver might be the one that goes you know from six players to five as opposed to the tight end position going from you know three to two. Let me tell you something, Rich Hill. You get an A plus today for transitions. You Thank you very on much. Fire with these. I can't even. I just got to tip my cap and let you take over here. <laughs> yeah, tight end position. Obviously, I think up there with quarterback, um, reeling in flux. We don't know what we're getting. Uh, a lot of the, basically, there's some couple of rookies on the team. Uh, Devin Asiasi has been standing out. Uh, Dalton Keene, it's his, has been standing out. But it's kind of Ryan Izzo, uh, a guy named Jake Burt, who's out of BC. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of question marks at tight end. And if the Patriots are going to go run heavy this season, which I agree with, obviously blocking tight end is going to be more valuable than it can a move receiving tight end uh, in that particular scheme. So what I've been hearing, Rich, is Asiasi's been a real camp standout. He's dealing with ankle injury right now. Uh, Dalton Keene's been doing well. But Asiasi seems to be, as of right now, the number one guy in the tight end position. Yeah, definitely. You see how he's being used in all of the drills and the red zone stuff. He, he is that top option because he can both catch and he's showing the ability right now to be a good enough blocker to be that top guy. I think Dalton Keene was going to be a little bit more of that flex tight end anyways, based off of how he was used. And the Patriots knew that Keene was a little bit more raw. He has more athletic upside than Asiasi, but he is really trying to figure out where he fits into that offense, whereas Asiasi is more of your generic, you know, in-line tight end. So it makes sense for him to be the top one. But everything else is a question mark. You know, I mean, the other tight ends don't have experience. And by other, none of the tight ends have experience. You have Ryan Izzo, who is your most experienced tight end. And that's not a great sign. So uh, the way that the Patriots typically handle this tight end position, you know, I mean, they need to have two younger players and a veteran. Is that going to be Izzo? I mean, maybe. I would be shocked if the Patriots went into the season and said, you know what, we're just going to go with Asiasi and Keene. Um, and then have, uh, when you look at how the Patriots teach their rooms, you know, you have Jakob Johnson in that room as well. Uh, 
you have a bunch of players who don't really have NFL experience. That would be a kind of a big surprise. And I know that the Patriots were trying out veteran tight ends earlier this off season, you know, a couple weeks ago. So that's still an option. But at this point in time, uh, I think that the Patriots, you know, Asi Asi and Keen are definitely locks, but it's completely up in the air how the Patriots are going to fill out that rest of the position. But I'm including Jakob Johnson in it, as well as uh, formal Naval Academy defensive lineman Paul Questenberry who is a tight end fullback for the Patriots who could really take on that next James Devlin-esque role as Bill Belichick loves 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 his Navy guys he does love his Navy guys Questenberry hasn't played in the NFL for several years because he was off kicking ass overseas Uh, being deployed is as good an excuse as you're going to get for not playing football Uh, I don't know anything about the guy to be honest with me Uh, he's a fairly new addition to the roster Uh, hopefully he does well and he can be the next kind of James Devlin story where comes out of nowhere um, and and makes the team as a becomes like a new neck roll kind of bruiser. Would love that. Uh, but it sounds to me, Rich, based on what you just said, the Patriots are going to be simultaneously going kind of run heavy this season while not relying on their tight ends. Is, is that true? And if so, how's that going to work? Yeah, I, I mean, that's partially the benefit of having Cam Newton uh, is that he forces opposing defenses to respect his run ability. And it means that, I mean, I think that the Patriots will continue to always have a tight end on the field at any given point in time. And I think that's why Asi Asi has that inside edge because he's able to, uh, you know, block and catch. Uh, but when it comes down to it, Cam Newton forces the opposing teams to keep another defensive player inside the box because they have to respect his running ability. They have to respect his ability to pass the ball off to another running back because he's extremely productive when he has a receiving back. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, James White, Patriots have a lot of them that just based on Cam Newton, you don't need to have you know, an all-world tight end like the the Greg Olson that he's used to or the Rob Gronkowski that we're used to in order for him to succeed, in order for the running game to be successful because he alone puts pressure on the defense. No, it's true. Uh, and I, I do think the Patriots offense that we're going to see with Cam Newton is going to be very, very different from what we'd see with Jarek Stidham. Uh, and I really am curious to see how the coaching staff is going to, as Belichick, I think you mentioned before we started the podcast, in a press conference, Belichick said the playbook is more or less – set uh, to kind of have their playbook, which has me thinking they already kind of know who the starter is. Because personally, I can't imagine they would install the exact same playbook for Jarrett Stidham and Cam Newton. Those are two very different quarterbacks. So I imagine they probably know who they're going with, right? Am I, am I crazy in thinking that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it is uh, how the Patriots change their playbook every single week. So it's more of like an a la carte situation where each quarterback, you know, the, the, the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, they'll have you know, here's 100 plays. And then uh, when it comes to the game time decision, they'll say, all right, these are the the 30, 50 plays that we want to use this week. And uh, they'll be different based off of whether it's Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham. And those numbers are just completely pulled out of the air. But you'll, you'll have your Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham. Whoever is starting will dictate which of those, let's say, 100 plays they choose but the, the plays can be installed, and those plays that they can choose on game day can be entirely different. So they might be ready to roll, and there might definitely be some overlap between the two. But you know, maybe they'll have 10 plays that only Cam Newton can do and 10 plays that only Jarrett Stidham can do, and they might both be installed. But when it comes down to who is going to start, that's just going to be which bag they're going to grab to leave that day. 
That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, the offense is a real question mark at almost every position. Guys are starting to emerge, but this close to the season, it's really interesting as Patriots fans. We're not used to this kind of flux. Still really fun, and I'm looking forward to September in a lot of ways more than ever because I am definitely not going into this season being like, oh, this Patriots offense is going to light it up. Here we come, Lombardi Trophy number seven. Uh, that'd be great, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun just watch this offense evolve and develop in a completely new way uh, this coming season. Should be pretty fun to watch. The Patriots defense, however, uh, is a different story altogether. We're going to talk about them in just a second. All right, we are back. We just broke down the offense and the positional battles going on there. Uh, the Patriots' defense looks very different than it did when the roster was first being built back in February with some big opt-outs, some moves that the Patriots have made, some guys that have departed and come back in. Uh, I'd love to do what we did for the offense. We just kind of just break down position by position and see who's standing out, who's not, what the big battles are. Uh, where do you want to start? Yeah, perfect. I mean, let's start in the trenches with the, the big boys up front. Uh, at defensive tackle, Patriots lost Danny Shelton. You know, he went to the, the Detroit Lions, and he was a big part of that rotational interior three with Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler. Guy and Butler are both still here. They're both still playing for the Patriots, and Butler has appeared to take another step forward, looking like one of the best players in that defensive front. He has been just a true revelation for the Patriots as an undrafted player out of Vanderbilt. And so those are your top two guys in my mind. But uh, the number three player that is really up in the air. They, they really haven't stepped up yet. They added Xavier Williams. You know, he's an experienced veteran uh, tackle that's played with the Cardinals and the Chiefs. He's more of like a nose tackle kind of guy. Um, but they, they've added him. Bo Allen hasn't really been practicing a lot either. So question mark with the veterans gives opportunities for the younger players. They signed Michael Barnett recently. You also have Bill Murray and Nick Thurman, who've been around. But the guy I want to talk about is Byron Cowart, who was mm. the Patriots' fifth-round pick last year. He was, when he was in college, he was you know, the top prospect at his position in the entire country. Didn't manifest while he was in college just due to injuries and also just due to you know transferring and how the universities used him. But he was a big run-stopper when he was there. That's how he was utilized. He was primarily a run-stopper despite being an athletic marvel that would typically, in other systems, be used to go after the quarterback. And so what Bill Belichick talked about yesterday on Wednesday was about how Cowart's really showing up a little bit more as a pass rusher. And that gives him a little bit more flexibility to make the team. And I always viewed Cowart when the Patriots drafted him as being a bigger Adam Butler. And I honestly, last year, wasn't expecting Adam Butler to take as big of a step forward as he did. I thought that Butler, you know, he did a good job going from year one to year two. And I thought that would be, okay, yeah, he's a good, solid guy, but someone that you'd be looking to upgrade every year. I think Butler is a cornerstone defensive front player. And I thought Cowart at his peak could be that uh, athletic upside guy for Butler. But instead, I'd say, I mean, Cowart would be pretty solid in that rotation. I think Cowart is the ideal uh, odd front outside guy. So if you have a three-man front, he would be a defensive end. Uh, but he also gives some flexibility to kick inside due to his run-stuffing ability. So if I had to choose the top three defensive tackle rotation today, it would be Guy, Butler, and Coward. I think it's not a bad rotation. It's a little different than what we thought we were going to get in there. But I think an Adam Butler, like you said, he's a really pleasant surprise rollover from from last season. Uh, I can't help but note, but note with some sadness you did not include Bill Murray in your <laughs> starting rotation. Um, but that's okay. It's still early. He can have some time. Um, and I'm guessing you – do you 
have Chase Winovich as a linebacker and, and, and an end where you put him in this one? Because I know he's technically listed as a D-line. Yeah, I, I have him on the edge. Everyone who's between, you know, 260 and 280 pounds, I'm considering on, to be on the edge, essentially. Yeah, no, so do I. Which actually, we'll, we'll talk about the edge. So I think there are two names that we've all been kind of waiting to hear blow up for several years now. Uh, and those are their two highly drafted picks uh, from a couple years back, Derek Rivers and Dietrich Wise. Uh, both of these players have had good camps, both coaching staff and players alike have talked about. They've gained some strength, some explosiveness in the offseason. Uh, it's kind of do or die for these guys. But you kind of joked, Rich, earlier before the podcast started that maybe they're getting opportunities to really shine this season because, like, who else is there <laughs> to really get it done? It's not like they're, like, beating out guys in training camp. It's more just there's nobody else there who has the experience and the strength combination. So this is really their time to kind of shine by default. Uh, are you optimistic at all about Rotwise and or Rivers making an impact this season, or you think we're finally going to cut bait with these guys? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. So I think it's helpful to start from the top and be like, okay, who is part of this edge rotation? And so behind or in addition to Wise and Derek Rivers, you have John Simon and Chase Winovich, who would be my top two starters on the edge. You would add in Shalit Calhoun, Brandon Copeland. Those are uh, two players that are veterans. Calhoun really, um, I thought, was a solid player for the team last year. I don't think he was as good or showed enough upside as you know Simon and Winovich to say they should be a starter. But I thought that he was a good player, played a lot on special teams, and so I think that provides a lot of value. And then you have Copeland, who the Patriots just took from the Jets, who also has special teams value. Add in rookie Anthony Jennings. And I would say my top five at this point in time would be John Simon, Chase Winovich, uh, Brandon Copeland, Shalit Calhoun, and Anthony Jennings. Just due to Jennings' draft position and Calhoun and Copeland's uh, special teams ability, I would say Wise and Rivers definitely have an opportunity to make the team. I think that's important to say as well because uh, – it's not over yet for them. I think Rivers, as Bill Belichick said, has the opportunity to still make an impact on the team this year. And Wise has been that guy who just sticks around the roster despite, it seems to me, the Patriots continue to try and find ways to not have him play. And he <laughs> continues to be that top pass rusher. He continues to perform for them. And as the team just has so many question marks at that linebacker spot, you know, the off-the-ball linebacker position, you just load up on those edge rushers, you let them play, but I would say if the Patriots held uh, five, neither of them would be on the team right now. But 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 due to the thinness on the defensive interior spot, I would say Wise definitely has the edge to make the team because he's less likely to go off the ball and more capable of playing interior. Interesting. So if you had to guess right now, you'd say one of the two of these guys makes the team and it's going to be Wise. That would be my guess. Interesting. Well, Derek Rivers, it's been nice knowing you. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to I, I can definitely remember seasons past Dietrich Wise making a play tackle in the backfield sack. He's got stats to his name. Derek Rivers has nothing. I can remember a single thing he's done. I know he's been injured on IR, but like not even in a point where like he stood out in preseason. There's just been nothing I can remember of Derek Rivers in any capacity. And usually when that's the case, uh, I think you're right. It kind of does not bode well for for the linemen, especially when they have this kind of depth. There's a lot of guys vying for that last one or two spots. Um, one area where there might not be as much of a upfront front-loaded competition is what was once the strength of the Patriots unit. Now is one of the bigger question marks: mm -hmm. the linebacking core. Um, Jawan Bentley is, in my opinion, still the guy getting the green dot. Uh, I know you have Shalit Calhoun with the defensive lineman. I think he could just easily play linebacker in certain packages. 
Um, but honestly, beyond Jawan Bentley, uh, I'm most excited about rookie Josh Uchi. Uh, mm-hmm. He's had a great camp. He's very standout-ish. And after that, it's pretty big drop-off with maybe Anthony Jennings coming in and making some noise and not much else, man. Yeah, I mean, if I had to start the day, uh, start the season, it would be Bentley and Uche being the two guys on the roster or the two guys on the field with Bentley taking over that middle of the defense role and Uche taking over that Jamie Collins type of, you know, primarily off the ball, but in certain packages, he can go crash the line of scrimmage. Other than that, Cash Maluya and Dejon Harris would be my top off the ball linebackers, specifically because they need someone to play special teams with that size. And uh, I think that's Maluya. You know, he is a late draft pick and he has emerged a bit. You know, I wouldn't say he's good. I wouldn't say he's going to make an impact on defense, but of a very shallow competition at the position, he's been one of the better options. And so I would say Patriots are trying to find a role for him. And, uh, you know, Harris has made those standout plays. So those would be my four guys. And uh, it's a very shallow spot. It's when you compare, as you said, that this is typically the strength of any Bill Belichick defense where the team is only as good as the linebackers are. This is going to be a very shallow room. It's going to be a very inexperienced room. And it's going to be a room that relies entirely on Juwan Bentley. And then a bunch of players, in my mind, we listed the depth of the players on the edge that I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots either used a safety as an extra linebacker this year, or they said, you know what, let's just ignore it, and we're just going to play a bunch of defensive linemen and edge rushers and a bunch of defensive backs because we just have nobody at this spot. Yeah, I mean, what you just mentioned, basically, your most experienced kind of anchor of the linebacking core is in his third year. And Shalik Cahoon, again, he's a he's really more defensive end, so I'm not going to list him, but he's a fifth-year guy. But after that, you're, I mean... Brandon Copeland's a special teamer um, and a lot of rookies. And this is a very complicated defense, always has been. And there isn't many positions more complicated than the linebacker because the linebacker calls the plays. The linebacker has the green dot. He's calling the coverages. He's moving guys in and out of position. And to require that of a rookie in this off, this defense, uh, it's a very, very tall order. And if it was a scenario where they kind of just said, screw the linebacker position this year, I think that would be a first for a Bill Belichick. <laughs> if it was every year to do it, this is the year. Um, and I do like the idea of kind of having a, a, a safety slash hybrid linebacker in there, maybe a little more experience to call some plays. Uh, unfortunately, Pat Chung will be sitting out the season, but that does not mean that there aren't players on the Patriots who are capable of having that 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 size and that, that experience advantage that might give the the Patriots young linebacking core some some help. Uh, but if you're going to do that, Rich, and you kind of have a safety linebacker hybrid who's in more than usual, uh, who's your first choice for that position? Yeah, my top option would be Adrian Phillips, who has missed some time this offseason. He hasn't been practicing as much, but he did just return in a limited capacity. He would be my top option. When he was with the Chargers, he played some linebacker spot. He was utilized in the exact same way as Patrick Chung. And remember, Chung, you know, he's listed as a safety. He spent about a third of his time at safety, a third of his time at linebacker, and a third of his time as as a nickelback, you know, defending the guy in the slot. And that's pretty much how Adrian Phillips was used by the Chargers. And based off of how the league is moving and and the need for players to be able to cover uh, you know, tight ends who are more receivers than blockers, and also with the increased mobility of the quarterbacks that they're going to be facing with, you know, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, 
Phillips is a pretty good option. He He's a bigger guy at safety. He offers the flexibility to be able to drop into coverage of running backs if they need to. He can spy quarterbacks. He's big enough to hold his own against the run. And so he would be my top option if he's able to stay healthy. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be my top guy. And I don't think there's really too much behind it. So this entire defensive strategy uh, relies pretty heavily on Phillips being available and understanding and knowing the defensive system because looking at the other safeties, I think Brooks is too small. I wouldn't rely on Kyle Duggar, who's a super athletic guy, who I think is going to be taking over for Deron Harmon as that third safety. Um, and you definitely don't want to put the McCordys in the box. So if, if it's going to be Phillips or nobody, uh, but I definitely think it's worth the, the coaching staff testing out to see if it could work. That's a good question, Rich. I mean, who do you see as of right now? I know Phillips isn't really the, your, your starting every single rep safety, but do you think they're going to go with two safeties at all, or are you want to cover one with McCourty as a lone safety on their base package? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they love having safeties on the field just to give them matchup opportunities. Uh, you know, the, the way that Harmon played the majority of the snaps each of the past few years, because you have your Chung and McCourty as your every snap kind of guys, but Harmon gives them some flexibility to use those safeties, to cover those tight ends, to cover those running backs, to spy those quarterbacks. And so McCourty is going to be the guy. McCourty is always going to be the guy. Uh and I, I stand by Kyle Duggar being that third safety, maybe even the second one, depending on how he continues to perform, because he seems to stand out in practice. But he would be that third safety that comes in when, you know, Adrian Phillips, in my mind, can play that strong safety role as uh, Devin McCourty is playing deep. But when you drop Adrian Phillips into the box to line up next to Jawan Bentley. You have Kyle Duggar who can come onto the field and be that intermediary guy who helps cover the tight ends, who helps cover the running backs, while Devin McCourty can be that single deep high safety that can kind of quarterback that whole secondary. All right, so Rich, if you are playing against a kind of high-flying, maybe not on the Chiefs or the, the right deep, uh, offense, I'd say, but say you've got a, a, lot, like a lot of five wide receiver packages, a very pass-heavy offense, they don't have a strong running game, and you need to make sure that everyone is, has a hat on a hat. Um, what's your what's your safety positioning there? I guess we can group the the DBs in here as well because it's always a, a fun conversation to have when it comes to the Patriots in the preseason. But if they're going against a really pass happy team, maybe a mobile quarterback, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons out there, um, the, maybe the Texans. Like, how are you approaching that defense based on the talent we have on their roster right now? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to whether the team relies on a tight end. You know, is there going to be a Travis Kelsey on the field, or is it going to be like the Texans, as you said, which is going to have a track team with Fuller and Stills and a bunch of speedy guys on the outside? And, uh, you know, if, if it's the tight end, you're going to go with your three safeties. But if it's all wide receivers out there, I would say you just have your Devin McCourty deep. Uh, I would actually probably lean Kyle Duggar on this one just due to his just supreme athletic ability to be that other safety on that field. Um, but, I mean, you have the deepest cornerback room in the entire league. Stephon Gilmore, he missed a bunch of practices for personal reasons. He's returned. He's picked up exactly where he's left off. He's just the dominant cornerback uh, behind that. J.C. Jackson, I would be surprised if he didn't emerge as that number two option, jumping hmm. over Jason McCourty, just because of how consistent and good he's been. But you add in Jonathan Jones, who the Patriots utilize, who's under a long-term contract, who is perfect against those track stars type of wide receivers. That is the strongest top four cornerback room that you will find in the NFL. And uh, the way that the Patriots operate, 
they typically have five cornerbacks on the roster, maybe six. Uh, I, I would say that Justin Bethel has the inside edge due to his special teams ability. Um, but I, I would be remiss not to mention Miles Bryant, who is a rookie out of the University of Washington, undrafted player, who seems to be making plays every single practice. And if this were any other year, I wouldn't be surprised if he were that undrafted player that sticks around for the active roster. But this is just a very, very deep room uh, where I would say Jojuan Williams needs to find another role on this team or he won't be on it much longer. A second round DB not working out. Didn't Who see knew? that one coming. Who'd have thought? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, mean, I, I always love those stories of these these out of nowhere. There's always these undrafted DBs that come in. Miles Bryan is the guy out of Washington. Uh, I wouldn't be the, the resident idiot uh, from Pat's Pulpo without mentioning Michael Jackson, who's also actually having a good, pretty good, good preseason. I think there are a lot of really talented guys fighting for maybe the last i think six dbs is a good estimate for how many they're going to keep i think there's maybe five of them are, are pretty well locked in and there's one more spot up for grabs and that's probably one of the more exciting neck and neck battles of training camp this season i think right now i think you're right i think miles bryant maybe has the edge in that but do not count on michael jackson because despite the funny name and the song references i can make all season long if he makes the team um i think he can he think he's actually doing pretty well for himself and he's a bigger guy too he's like six one six two so that's something to maybe factor in yeah and I, I would also want to highlight cody davis who's a safety uh so not in the same cornerback competition but it comes down to the patriots keeping 10 or 11 defensive backs overall i think davis has stepped into that nate ebner type role as being a big safety who can be that you know, dime safety on the field, who can do those goal line packages, but really be that core special teamer. I think Davis is that guy. And if you're reserving two special team spots for Justin Bethel, who is an all pro, so it's hard to undersell that, as well as Cody Davis. And then you throw in Terrence Brooks, who's another core special teamer. It's a very packed positional group. Uh, and if, if a player like Bryant or if a player like Jackson makes the team, uh, you know, you can throw in Joe John Williams in there. Unfortunately, it means that they're really going to have to emerge in the Patriots. You know, this is a good year to be very shallow at linebacker because they can take on additional defensive backs. That's true. And then the real way for the DB to make a team and to work your way up is on special teams. A lot of really good Patriots started off special teamers and worked their way onto the roster. Not to d d diminish the special teams value that any player could bring to the table, but, um, you know, Teddy Bruschi, special teamer. You know, just there, there are certain players you can get in there and they, they are able to sneak onto the roster via their special teams ability and then they make contributions elsewhere as well, which is good a transition as any to the last positional grouping we haven't talked about yet, which is the special teams. Uh, Ryan Allen has been booming them. All camp, upwards of five oh, seconds. Freudian camp. slip. That was Jake Bailey, not Ryan oh, Allen. Oh, was Jake? Wow, it was Jake Bailey? Oh, sorry, Ryan Allen. Um, I I still like Ryan Allen, but it was Jake Bailey. That's right. Can, He's been booming him. Can we take a side note here? Sidebar. How is Ryan Allen not on a team right now? He yeah. was such a good and consistent punter for the Patriots. And, I mean, I completely understand why you would say that because he was so good. He spent some time on the, the Falcons for a little bit. And... I just don't know why he's not on a team. It's, he is better than at least half of the punters in the league. The Patriots moved on because Bailey can also do kickoffs. And, you know, he's a very, very good punter. But for the fact that Ryan Allen is not on the team is just shocking to me. No, it is. I mean, he, you can, I mean, you can make a very legitimate case that the Super Bowl MVP of the last one, the Patriots Rams, was Ryan Allen. That's not a totally. ridiculous argument to make. And he's, he's unemployed, which goes to show you uh, being a punter is not a job for the timid. 
Um, but yes, thanks for the correction. Jake Bailey has been booming up upwards of like five seconds of hang time. Um, the punt return unit has been backed up into their own end zone very, very regularly. Right now, Gunnar Oshesky seems to be the uh, punt return guy. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But the, I guess, maybe more interesting conversation about special teams is the Patriots have brought back Nick Folk to give Justin Rowrosser, who's having an inconsistent camp, some competition. I don't know what they're thinking there yet, but there's a legitimate kicker battle going on in the Patriots right now. Oh, totally. I think Rohrwasser, uh, you know, he was injured for a little bit, so he wasn't able to kick as much. And it's good to have a veteran. You know, if you don't only want to rely on a rookie at one of the most high-pressure positions on the entire roster, Folk showed that he can be a very good kicker in the NFL, and last year he showed he could be a very good kicker for the Patriots. And while he doesn't necessarily have the consistent leg strength, that the Patriots would want from the position. You know, he's not going to be out there booming 45-plus yard field goals. He's very reliable within 40 yards. And you know what? That's going to be pretty good. And I, I would take that sort of consistency over a boom-bust sort of player. But that's why you, you give them both the opportunity out there. If, if Roy Wasser can take that starting job, then so be it. But you have Nick Folk on the roster. Bill Belichick said that he's been speaking to him since March, so this isn't a surprise. And I would say that this is a very open competition that I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Folk won it. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that were scratching their heads over the Royal roster pick. Off-field tattoo stuff aside, just as like an actual his football consistency wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he was good. at He had a lot of clutch 50-plus yard kicks. He's shown that he can develop bubble under pressure, so maybe that was a big – uh, factor in deciding uh, why they drafted him uh, above Blankenship, for example. But uh, I, I don't know. It seems like there were probably better, pure, like just better kickers available in the draft than Rohrwasser. Seems a weird pick to me. Maybe they know something I don't. But based on the camp he's having, again, he's injured, as you said. So you can't um, really judge too harshly. But it's not like he's been taking the opportunities he had when he was the only kicker on the team and just booming them left and right. Um, so I really think that is probably of all the positions we've talked about, Rich, that's probably the one that's the most wide open. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's just so many uh, – there will be more opportunities if there were actually preseason games for one of those players to really earn their keep. But right now it appears to be neck and neck. Their Patriots are giving them both equal opportunities in camp for to make these kicking attempts. And then I would just wouldn't be surprised if at the end of it the Patriots say if they're equal, they might go with the younger guy and their draft pick. But – if uh, Rohrwasser continues to be an inconsistent kicker, then they'll be happy to have a veteran like Falk in the house. Yeah, and the good news is I think if one of them, like, they're definitely not going to keep two kickers. Or no one keeps two kickers. Uh, and I, I don't think it'll be a scenario where whichever one gets cut, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but whatever one gets cut, he gets immediately snatched up by another team. Um, I think there'll be plenty of kickers go around. I just don't want to find ourselves in a position like they were last season, Rich, where there were like six different kickers. They went mm-hmm. through. I just don't want to see Mike Nugent back on the team ever again. <laughs> so whatever decision they make on the kicker position, hope it's the right one because that's such an important position. Um, the Patriots were basically denied Super Bowls because of extra point misses. Uh, not to bash Ghost. He was awesome. I'm never going to bash Ghost, but that's just such an important position. And sometimes an extra point literally decides the outcome of the game. And you don't want to go with the wrong, the wrong direction in that one. So I do not envy special teams coaching staff for that. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll be able to break this down over the next week as there will be more practices and more availability to see which players are distinguishing themselves because, as Bill Belichick said, most of the playbook is installed, so at this point it's about who can perform that playbook to the best of their abilities. So we'll be able to break all of that down. We'll have more information on patspulpit.com. Alec, 
do you have any final thoughts on this week of the NFL's theoretical preseason? Good news, Rich. I think the next podcast we do next week will be the last one we do before the games start. So the actual football to talk about in a couple weeks. Hopefully. Amazing. Amazing. Hopefully. Yeah, looking forward to it. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You do, buddy. See ya. Later.